0: This special episode of Out Drink the Coverage is brought to you by the Frisco Bar and Grill, located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco. You can also find them online at thefriscobar.com, but hey, in-person is the best. And I'll tell you why. Not only is it a bar, which is awesome in of itself, they also have great uh, sports nights. They, they have the watching club for the Oklahoma Sooners and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but they have multiple screens. So even if you're not a fan of those, you can always find the action that you want. And honestly, they have hockey, they have baseball, they have it all. And if you're, you know, you got your date night and she doesn't want to watch sports, You can take there and you can go live music, or you can check out the karaoke. They have great food. They have great drink deals. They have it all. So check out the Frisco Bar and Grill again, located at 6750 Gaylord Parkway, Suite 120 in Frisco. And we appreciate them being title sponsor of Out Drink the Coverage. the Dallas Cowboys were called next year's champions the team that couldn't win the big one and no I'm not talking about the 2022 Cowboys or the 2021 or the 2018 or 16 or 14 or even the 2007 we're going all the way back to the 1965 to 1970 Cowboys but in 1971 They finally broke through, winning their first of five Super Bowl champions, and we're here to talk about it. Hello, everybody. Terry Bennett, Grant Grant Goodwin. Terry Bennett, intern, Noah here. I'll drink the coverage. Uh, This is part of our special off-season series brought to you by the Frisco Bar & Grill, and we're going to be talking about all five Super Bowl champions of the Dallas Cowboys. And we thought, what better way to start, and that's to start in order. And I, I think that this is honestly... It's kind of the most interesting of the five Super Bowl champions because it's the one that it's kind of out on its own. And I I know they only won one more in the 70s, but that 70s team, that's the iconic Cowboys. That's the America's team's Cowboys. That's the Cowboys when you think of the 70s. Honestly, I think almost all of us think of, you know, Roger Staubach, of course, but Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, Ed Tuttle-Jones, Randy White, Charlie Waters, you know, all that group. And, And. None of them except for Charlie Waters was on this 71 Cowboy team. In fact, I think there was five players that went from the 71 and the uh, 77 uh, Super Bowl champs. So I've always thought that this was a very interesting team to talk about. And then doing this deep dive, it, it only, it, to me, it only proves that th- this is one of the most interesting Super Bowl teams that there is in the
1: NFL. Yeah, uh, 71 and 77 are a big contrast. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, with the 71 Cowboys, it was a mixture of a lot of good draft picks that finally paid off in the mid 60s, plus uh, some key free agents they got in 70 and 71. Yeah. Mike Dicka, uh, Lance Allworth, Hall of Famers. Yes. Uh, I mean, but you know, Hall of Famers love,
0: that had careers everywhere else and finished in, in Yeah. Dallas. I mean, a
1: lot of people think of Mike Dicka, they think of him as a head football coach for yeah. the Bears and the, well, to a lesser extent the Saints but uh, he was a Hall of Famer because of his time as a tight end for the Bears yep, and the Eagles and the Eagles Yeah, uh, he was one of the premier tight ends at a time it was just him and John Mackey basically were the best tight ends around this time in the 60s and uh, yeah, he was actually still pretty relevant for the Cowboys in 71 he was very much needed so was Lance All- Lance Allworth was putting up video game numbers in the sixties for the San Diego chargers yes. video game numbers today. I mean, he was getting 1300 1500 yards, uh, the Eric Correale offense for the Chargers in the AFL days. And he was still also a very needed piece because Bob Hayes had no one else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had Lance Ransel. ah, Lance Ransel. That was the guy I was thinking about in our previous conversation yes. before the podcast. Uh yeah, so they needed a number two receiver, and you know, kind of like what the 2023 Cowboys are looking for right now, which they kind of got with Brandon Cooks. Yes. Uh, but yeah, they got Lance Altworth. Uh, and, you know, they also had Dan Reeves as well. You know, some of the – just the, the key – like sort of – like I mean, Dan Reeves was a minor piece, but like Lance Altworth and Dick were kind of those missing pieces that the 71 team needed to get over the top. Yeah,
0: and and so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the 71 season overall, talk about just where the NFL was, because I think this is an interesting year. As I I did a reel for this to promote it earlier, and and as I talked about, and and you and I have had this conversation before, there's certain years where that's the line in the sand of of transition for the NFL.
1: Yeah.
0: And and the 71 season is definitely one of those what you would call a transition year um, and and the reason why, and we'll, we'll just go ahead and start right now. The fact that th- this is a, a a year that out of twenty six teams between the beginning of the seventy one offseason season through the seventy one year, there were thirteen coaching change NFL head coaching changes. Wow, um, three of them in season, ten of them outside of the re- regular season. Some of them were a little weird. Like Washington was weird because. Vince Lombardi, right at the beginning of the 70s season, got diagnosed with cancer. He passed away. And then offensive line coach Bill Austin kind of just served as an intern and and was never, he was never going to stay on. Uh, They get George Allen, of course, who the over the hill gang. Um, I'll admit this I never realized until studying, George Allen cheated a lot. Like he did a lot of really, like, like, trading one draft pick or one uh, making the same trade three different times so he could pick up different players. And I didn't even realize he did that when he was a Ram coach too. Uh, So it's, it's really weird. George Allen, he's a really interesting guy, but people like him, he becomes the head coach of Washington and, and for the earth from 71 through 75, they're one of the the better teams in the NFL. Uh, you've got the Rams. As as he left them, Tommy Pr- Protho came on. And Protho struggled with them, but he started laying the foundation for those Ram teams of the late 70s that would become such a thorn in the side of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And, and so the, the 71 season, it's just really, really interesting uh, how much change there was. Uh, So let's just go ahead and start and so what we're going to do is we're going to the first part of the show we're just going to talk about the 71 season who are the teams and and all that and and then we'll we'll start to transition into more about the Dallas Cowboys the Super Bowl champs but we'll go ahead and start with the year before of course Dallas lost to the Baltimore Colts in the Super Bowl I, I think. Uh, you know, when you think of Super Bowl upsets, uh, you think of the Giants beating the the Patriots. More the first time, but you can say both of them. Uh, of course, the most famous one is the Jets beating the Baltimore Colts. But I honestly think that the Baltimore Colts beating Dallas in night in, in the nineteen seventy one Super Bowl seventy season, I think that's right up there as
1: one of the bigger upsets because Dallas was the better team. And the Colts were going in with a new head coach; they had just fired. Uh Don Shula after the 69 season. So Dick McPherson, I think that's his name, Dick McPherson. Or Don oh no, Don McCafferty, yeah, sorry. Was say. Dick McPherson's a Syracuse head coach. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah. So Don McCafferty was leading a very uh veteran laden team. Uh they were still good, but they were very they were, they were getting old. So the, the the seventy Colts were much different than the seventy five to seventy seven that you kind of know with Burt Jones. Burt Jones, or, Jones uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were on the last legs, kind of like the '79 Steelers, '95 Cowboys. You know, it was still this was if they were going to do it, it was going to be this year or next year. So that 70 Colts team, they kind of just made it through the season. They had the talent. They had, you I mean uh, Johnny United still had something left in them. Uh, uh, they had a Hall of Fame tight end and Mackey. They, they still had pieces, Billy Ray Smith and all of them. Uh, but they were still, if you watch the Super Bowl, there were really still no match for the Cowboys. Um, the Cowboys went in that season with a hot Craig Morton, a rookie Dwayne Thomas, who had a great year, and uh, Bob Hayes. I mean, he just he could get 30 catches for this season, but he still have over 800 yards. Yeah, that's just absolutely crazy. Uh, and, about and, that. Yeah, and just, just, I mean, the offensive line was one of the best in the league, Ray Floyd right and them. Uh, defensive line, Bob Lilly. They had, uh, chuck howley yeah it's still to this day there's only been one M- super bowl mvp on a losing team and it's chuck howley yeah. in the 1970 season for the cowboys yeah and
0: uh, again i i think you know when you, when you look back at the cowboys 65 to 70 and when we get to the cowboy part of this season we'll talk more about it but you know they were they kind of become known as next year's champs can't win the big one I, I think that the first two losses to Green Bay, you kind of go, okay, you can see that. Green Bay is an amazing team. They went to Super Bowls. The trophy is named after their head coach. But it was the next three years, losing to Cleveland back-to-back years in the playoffs, and then that Baltimore game where, I mean, Dallas, just it was an ugly game, Yeah, first off. Dallas, it, when you look at uh, three of the, the, the wins for Dallas, or, or three of the Super Bowls that Dallas went, two of them being wins, yes. turnover is a big part. Mm-hmm. This one... The the one against Denver and then the first one against Buffalo. What what was the nickname of the
1: Super Bowl? Super Bowl Five. Yep. Super Bowl Follies. Super Bowl. Yeah. There was plenty Blunder Bowl is Blunder the one I yep. always remember. Yep. But yep. yeah, there was plenty of different nicknames. Yeah, it's it, it's funny
0: because people forget that that game came down to basically a, a last kick in the last fifteen seconds. Yeah. Jim but Brian. no, yeah, nobody thinks about that though because the, the, again, the game was just really ugly. Yeah. Uh, so going into the seventy one season. It, it 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 feels like looking back now, and, and talking with my dad, who was a big cowboy fan and old enough to remember, he he basically was like, "Yeah, you you just kind of res- realize that they're just not going to win it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're good, but they're not great." And, and so, going into the seventy one season, I legitimately think that this might have been the one time in Landry's career before the end where he might have been he might have been coaching for his job in seventy one.
1: Hey, you know, honestly, if Landry was transplanted into today's NFL, he'd have been fired after year two or three. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's just a different. Yeah, like for a lot of people that don't really know about the early Cowboys, sixty to sixty-four, they were not that good at all. They, no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like maybe I know some of the early stars were Ada LeBaron, you know, the short quarterback. Yep. Uh, but the Cowboys were not really good. They had Bob Lilly, but they weren't really that good until sixty-five when they got to five hundred. And then after that, they started showing, oh, okay, we actually have some talent. You know, you look at the 70-71 team, I mean, you look at that, just the defense alone, just 11 stout players, like 11 well-known players, if you pay attention to anything in football, uh, that's just – and we'll we'll talk about it. I mean, there's a lot of guys there that are not in the Hall of Fame that probably should be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they were building that team. Uh <clears throat> I could definitely have seen Tex-Tram firing Landry at some point, uh, after, especially after one of the Brown playoff losses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, had, really,
0: that's <laughs> a good point because, it, you know, you, you, had got, you had the two close games against Green Bay, and then you're like, okay, again, those are great teams, but they're, they're starting to get old, so here's our window, yeah. and then you, you can't even get past Cleveland, who was a good franchise, but Cleveland was, you know, they, they weren't great correct and so uh, you're really good point you know I, I think maybe getting to that 70 Super Bowl even though they lost at least I I think that quelled some of the the questions but but I, I really do I, I feel like if Dallas wouldn't have won the Super Bowl in 71 Landry legitimately might not have been there
1: yeah and, and to backtrack a little bit the Packers I mean they were really strong in the first half of the 60s there were I mean they were strong up until 68 yeah uh they were definitely getting old by that by that last sixty seven season when they won their second Super Bowl, but uh, <clears throat> and then Lombardi, uh, Vince Lombardi retiring also kind of or put them on a trajectory to where they would not be that competitive until the early nineties. Yeah, uh, the Brown teams. I mean, they had won the NFL championship in what was it sixty three sixty four? I think it was Jim Brown's one and only championship as a Brown. He might have won more in the 50s with the Otto Graham, but uh, I don't even think him and Otto Graham play on the same team. I'm talking about mistaken. I, I might be mistaken there, but uh, yeah, Browns and Bears won Super, uh, won NFL championships in the early 60s Yeah, uh, instead of the Packers. Packers won 61-62, then 63-64 Bears uh, Browns, and then 65-67, '66, three in a row. And that Packer team, and then the, the the Browns, uh, after Blaine Collier, he was the head coach for that time period. Their main big player, which you'll see on the uh, Dolphins, Paul Whirlfield. yep, uh, star stout re- uh, wide receiver for them. Uh, so they were still competitive, but you know there was like with many teams in this time, there was a ceiling. They 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 were. You look at them like, nah, they're playoff bound, but they're not Super Bowl bound. Yeah. And it kind of showed uh even though okay, this is where I was trying to get back to. <laughs> the uh uh sixty eight, sixty-nine season for the Cowboys coming off the ice bowl loss in sixty seven to the Packers. You could see them as as you said in the beginning of this podcast, next year's champions, and then they just they don't just lose close to the Browns. Yeah, good both, point both years. It's blowout losses. And I could definitely in today's NFL Landry would have been fired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred. percent I have no idea why Tech Tram maybe maybe Landry is playing or coaching at a discount, uh, like you know Tex Tram was doing to these other players in the team, like you know Bob Lilly and all of them.
0: Well, I. Yeah, but I also think it just helped that that was still it, it was still they Dallas was a was a you know a startup club when Landry was there, so he wasn't coaching against ghost of C- Cowboys past or anything. Yeah, everything every time they won, they went a little further in the uh, playoffs. That was a, a new you know a uh, new achievement for
1: them. I guess you have to think about it where Landry came from yeah. because him he, he was on the Giant teams of the fifties. Yep, as uh, I believe a See defensive coordinator. Well, when he yeah, when he was coaching, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, a, he was a defensive coordinator. The... Vince
0: Lombardi was the offense coordinator. Yeah,
1: so you see Vince Lombardi in '59 going to the Packers, and they automatically become a winning team. Yeah, the following year they make it to the NFL title game, lose to the Eagles, and then they go on their five NFL title run in the '60s. So I mean, it's so easy to just compare the Packers to the Cowboys. But again, the Packers had a history. You know, Cowboy
0: history. wasn't I, – I, I think what really saved Landry was there, the Cowboys were a startup club in 60s, so they had no history yeah. to, to have to – I mean, you, you, he was basically giving a blank slate. So anything that was new uh, – but, but talking about Cleveland, I want to go back to that. Let's also – let's remember that there was a big change between when Dallas had last lost to Cleveland in 1969 yeah. to 1971, mm-hmm. and that's that Cleveland was now in the AFC. Um, the We had finally, in 1970, we had went to the true, what we have now, NFC-AFC. Uh, Dallas and San Francisco played in the very first true NFC championship game, Dallas won. You, know, you want to talk about, it's funny, you and I said this before, Dallas's and San Francisco's playoff history outside of 1981 goes in threes. So you have to wonder if that's going to matter this year because... In, in in the early 70s, it was 70, 71, and 72. Dallas yep. won all three. And then San Francisco wins in 81, and of course, 92, 93, 94. And now we're in the thir- possible third year. We've got uh, 2021 and 2022. Yep. Um, But let's go ahead and look right now at the full of the season. All right, so let's talk about – we'll start over in the NFC, but we'll start in the other division. Uh, in the NFC West – no, you know what? Let, let's uh, let's actually go up to the, the all the awards. Uh The MVP, the MVP of the league. This is how you can tell the NFL is different now. Uh, The NFL, the MVP of the league is Alan Page, Hall of Fame uh, defensive lineman uh, for the Minnesota Vikings and also Chicago, but mainly known for being a a Minnesota part of the Purple People Eater. Uh, He was the player of the year. Uh, This is funny. The offensive rookie of the year, John Brockington. The uh, defensive rookie of the year, Isaiah Robertson. Okay, I I remember the names. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I mean, I remember the names, but neither one of them had Hall of Fame careers. He just recently passed uh, John Brogdon. Yes, Uh, you had the leading quarterback again. Go back to era, and and this seems like a lot for back then, though. Uh, John Hadle had three thousand and seventy five yards. The rushing leader was Floyd Little for eleven hundred and thirty three yards. Again, only fourteen games. Yes, and then Otis Taylor. Uh, led the league in receiving with a thousand eleven. Uh, he finished his career, by the way, with seven uh, hundred or seven thousand three hundred six yards. Uh, you look at that now, and you know a, an average wide receiver in seven years will have that. Uh, so in the NFC, the standings went: uh, Minnesota won the Central with eleven and three record. Detroit was seven and six and one. Chicago six and eight. Green Bay four eight and two. I love that. <laughs> uh, in the NFC West, San Francisco won the division nine and five. The Rams were eight five and one. So literally a tie yeah. decided that. Uh, the Falcons were seven six and one, and then the Saints four eight and two. Over in the AFC, Miami won there. The AFC East at ten and three and one. Baltimore was ten and four. Uh, New England six and eight. New York Jets six and eight. Buffalo one and thirteen. Uh, which is what helped him get OJ Simpson. Uh, Cleveland Browns nine and five. Pittsburgh Steelers six and eight. Now again, that's the beginning though. Pittsburgh Steelers this year six and eight. Next year they explode onto the scene. Yep. They win. They go to their first playoff in like twenty years. Yep. Uh, the Houston Oilers four nine and one. The Bengals four and ten. Uh, and then in the AFC West you had the Chiefs ten three and one. Oakland eight and four. Uh, eight four and two. Mm. Man, there's a lot of ties back in the day. Mm, yeah. San Diego six and eight, and Denver four nine and one. And then of course over in the NFC East, Dallas eleven and three, Washington nine four and one. Again, there's a tie. Philadelphia six and seven, St. Louis four and nine, and then the Giants were four and ten. So when you look at the league, it's pretty spread out, pretty well. You, you have two. You have two ten win teams in the East of the AFC. You have no ten win teams in the AFC Central. You have one 10 win team in the AFC West. Then over in the NFC, you have Dallas with eleven wins and Minnesota with eleven wins. They both led tied with, with the most wins. But then you have Washington right there, nine four and one. Uh, and, and you look at that Washington team, and, and for most of the year, no, they were the best team in the NFL, at least on the NFC side.
1: Yeah, they. Uh, I think they started six and one in seventy one. Yes, and. Uh, yeah, that was George Allen's first year with Washington uh, the probably following year their running back Larry Brown ended up being the uh, the uh, NFL MVP yeah and in this on the way to the Super Bowl
0: and in this year he had 948 yards and four touchdowns uh, they were led by Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen uh Billy Kilmer started most of the year he went eight four and one. Uh, twenty-two hundred yards through the air, thirteen touchdowns, but thirteen interceptions. And, and I'll go ahead and say this right now: you and I know this, but if you're new to the NFL and this, the only you only really know this era, this is the most efficient era that we're playing in right now of quarterbacks. Back in the old school, and this is why I love Jameis Winston so much. It was not it was not unique to have a quarterback on a really good team have like 18 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Oh, yeah. I mean, heck, you can even go back to the Cowboys' last Super Bowl. D- uh, Troy had 13 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Uh, yeah. So it, 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 you cannot, you know, there's certain things you look through the lens of, of today. The old-school passing game, you cannot look through the lens of the day because just like we are talking about, like with, you know, Tom Landry would have been fired. There, quarterbacks that won championships back then, if they played like that in this era, they would not even be on a roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you have to think about it, the the best quarterbacks like Len Dawson and Bart Starr were doing, having those type of stats where they were throwing 55%, 16 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. If those are the best quarterbacks of that era, think about what the mediocre to bad quarterbacks are doing to this point. <laughs> and
0: honestly, that's part of what made Tom Landry's system so good. Yeah. And part of what made Roger Staubach so good, mm-hmm. he wasn't a guy that threw a lot of interceptions, uh, and he was very efficient. And, and you know, they always say that the the passer efficiency uh, model and, and how they do it, like it was basically it was Roger Staubach that that's that it was and you know yeah you know
1: well, built off of. You know, Roger Staubach kind of got a late start at this. He's you know served his country during the Vietnam War. Uh, in the 60s and then he really wasn't a cowboy until 27 yeah and then he kind of rode the bench until 70 so 70 and 71 are kind of similar i, th- I remember t- telling you about this and in 70 Staubach was the one that was kind of struggling yeah. as a starter and uh
0: tom yeah, he landry a lot of interceptions there, lot,
1: yeah and then tom landry felt more confident in craig morton and craig morton got the hot hand and he kind of propelled the Cowboys to get in the playoffs and to get to the Super Bowl eventually. So going to 71, you felt more comfortable with Craig Morton. I think he started the opening game against the bills. It was a high scoring affair. I think it was like 49 37. I might be off a little bit there, but uh, that was his one win for 71. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tom Landry decided, you know, during the season to just alternate quarterbacks each game. So game one, week one, Craig Morton started in week two. It would be Roger Staubach, and they would just keep going back yeah. and forth. And we'll, and we'll
0: get into that here in a minute. But I want to go back to what you are just talking about. So, you, you look at the 70 season, and Craig Morton threw for – now, he only completed 49% of his passes. Yeah. But he threw for 15 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Yeah. Uh you, you look at what Roger Stahlbach did, as far as efficient. Now I'm not talking about stats like yards and stuff, right? But you look at that nineteen seventy one Roger Staubach, and, and he might have had the at to up to that point, the most efficient season a quarterback could have had at that point. Ten and 0, threw for eighteen hundred yards, completed almost sixty percent of his passes. Unheard of. Yeah, unheard of back then, fifteen touchdowns and only four interceptions. Um, and, and that's – I mean, even for him, that's truly amazing because you look at some of his other years, as great as he was, he's still like in 76, 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Yeah. In 78, 25 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. So that, that 71 year uh, – and as much as we can say, well, it's Roger Staubach, you also have got to give credit to what the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Landry's offense was because he was very big on screens – Checking down to the uh, to running backs again, something that just wasn't considered that big of a thing back then. Yeah, uh, and you kind of had alluded to it when we first began talking about Calvin Hill and Dan Reeves and Walt Garrison. You look at their leading receivers, uh, and of course, Bob Hayes was the leading guy. He had eighty four eight hundred and forty yards. Uh, Lance Allworth, 467. But then you've got Walt Garrison with 396. Calvin yep. Hill with 254. You had two tight ends, as much as we talk about Mike Dicka, Billy Truax combined, they had almost 600 yards together and five touchdowns. And so, and it's not like that Landry was the first, but he had figured out how to get the ball efficiently down the field. And instead of always throwing it 20 yards downfield, Throw it five yards and let your running back or your tight end get you the next 10 to 15 yards.
1: You know, it's kind of funny because like late in the late 60s, the Bengals kind of were forced to do this. Um, I don't know if you remember Bill Walsh mm-hmm. was their can't remember if there were who's an offensive coordinator quarterback coach, but uh their starting quarterback got hurt, they decided to start the backup, who didn't have the arm strength of a typical quarterback in the sixties, but he was very accurate. Yeah. So he kinda changed the offense to where it was more short passes, uh, high percentage. But hey, if we'll just treat it like a running play. Yeah. If we can get yes. three, four yards off of this play, fantastic. Let's go on the next play. Yes. So it's kind of what created the high percentage, low yardage era and that kind of worked for the Bengals in that period of time but as as we all know now in 2023 that kind of morphed into the west coast offense even though it originated in cincinnati yeah but it got popularized in the 49ers in the 80s uh but yeah you could see some wrinkles of it in the 70s with the cowboys especially like with the ball garrison yeah um obviously not with bob hayes because he's a speedster but uh you can see it with. Do you know, just like Lance Allworth at At, at this, at this in particular at this point in time, Lance Allworth was, was not this All Pro stud that he was in the sixties with the Chargers.
0: Well, no, but he was. He, and even when he was a Charger, though, Lance Allworth was never. He wasn't Bob Hayes. He wasn't a burner. Right. In fact, his nickname was Bambi. Yes. Um. Bambi. He was. He was yes. known because he had small. <laughs> he had thin legs, not small legs, thin legs. But what he was known for, I, I guess, the best way to describe him, if 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 you know history of football, Mm -hmm. he was like a little bit more athletic Fred Belencoff. Like Lance Allworth knew to find the spots. He knew to find where where the holes were. You got to remember teams, because of Bob Hayes, Mm -hmm. were starting to do zones. Literally Bob Hayes, basically his speed created what we consider the zone defense now. And so getting Lance Allworth, who knew how to run routes with precision, who knew how to find those spots, um, it it, it always amazes me because... You think of Lance Allworth like he had more of an impact, and he had an impact. But when you actually go back and look at it, it wasn't like he had 700 yards or anything. He had 487 and only two touchdowns. Oh. But that's all you needed. You 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 had him with 34 catches. Bob Hayes with 35. Again, Walt Garrison with 40. Mike Dicka with 30. And that right there, it doesn't sound like a lot. But you got to remember: a, we're only talking 14 games. Yeah. And b. We're talking about a year or an era where, you know, you weren't throwing the ball 30 times unless you just were behind and that's all you could do. You were throwing it 15 times and you'd be happy
1: with that. Yeah. I mean, hey, everything you're saying is very true. Uh, I think with the Cowboys at this point in time, though, they really, I mean, you know, the combined, the Cowboys threw for over 3,000 yards this particular season. Uh, But with the addition of Dwayne Thomas from last, the prior year, uh, to go along with Calvin Hill, to go along with Walt Garrison, who was, hey, if Walt Garrison was the main back, he would have had a thousand yards every year. Oh, yeah. He's a great running sorry back. About that. Uh, he, was yeah. just, he was just a, a great team player. And he's listed as a fullback. I'm I'm sorry that was boring you, sir. Oh, no, no. It's, it's the uh, outdrank the coverage part of the oh. show. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What? This is outdrank the coverage, right? Yeah. Terry. What? How are you and what are you drinking? <laughs> I don't drinking? know
0: if we do these on these special ones, but I am definitely in in the uh, old school Southwest Conference Cup. Now, this is the old school. Like this has the old 90s or
1: 80s TCU logo. That is beautiful. Um, I am drinking just good old vodka. What about you, sir? I am making another attempt to make you like whiskey. Oh, yeah. And by the way,
0: the one you gave me this time was actually really good. I really
1: yeah. like that. I, will, I could drink that again, definitely. So today I'm doing a mix, Mm -hmm. but, uh, this cherry Coke, uh, but I got, it's an Irish whiskey called green spot. I'll post it on the, on On the intro web, on the intro webs. All right. right. But yeah, it tastes and smells like green apple. Yeah, it really does. Like I told you, it tasted a lot like a,
0: a now and later, um, so let's go back to the Cowboys. Oh, oh hang on. I'm sorry. Talking about the past attempts. So this is the past attempts. Now I'm only going to talk about the ones that uh, Roger Staubach fully started. Okay. Um, this is his pass attempt numbers, so, uh, Attempts, not completion or anything. Okay. 21, 31, 28, 21, 14, 15, 14, and 16. Think about today's NFL. Wow. And these are all wins. Again, Roger Stalbeck went undefeated that year. Yeah. I, I still think it one of the most underrated, just pure seasons a quarterback has had. But in the playoffs, 14, 18, and 19. <laughs> like you're an old school guy.
1: Yeah.
0: If Dallas was winning, if in 2023 Dallas is winning and Dak Prescott is averaging 16 passes a game, you're going to be in heaven. Like hey. that's going
1: to be the greatest season you've ever seen as a Cowboy. Hey as as recent as the 2019 NFC title game, there was a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. who had what was it, eight completions in that title game against the Packers? But I mean, they steamrolled the Packers because the Packers couldn't stop the 49er running game. So, well, it, it, Garoppolo was really good at handing the ball off to yes. Mostert and handing the ball off to another but, running but back. But
0: think about that. <laughs> we, we just were talking about how, you know, this is one of the most underrated seasons a quarterback has had, Yeah, yet he threw the ball at least he threw the ball 30 times one time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And he threw 28 the very next time, but, but it, it goes to what we talk about. Efficiency. The, the the two games that he threw 31 and 28 he completed 64% which is good fantastic and 50% fantastic for 71 yeah and 50% but yeah. when he was only throwing the ball you know 14 15 times his completions were 66 71 yeah. 62 61 70
1: yeah.
0: uh so even you know th- that's one thing you can say about it and and we'll talk a little bit about Landry here in a minute cuz we're going to talk about uh, you know, the, the, the he wasn't Roger Stalock was not the only quarterback in the room, uh, and I, I think the funny thing is is when you look at some of the great players for the Cowboys, the, the two I'm thinking mainly is is Roger Stalock and Tony Dorsett. Yeah, they they did things that just drove Tom Landry crazy <laughs> because Tom Landry did not like freewheeling. He didn't like you know uh, what do you call that you know doing your own thing when a play yeah. breaks down that like
1: something he just hated. Well, think about I mean. Think about Landry's age at this time. Think about his upbringing. I don't think that's age. I think that's just how he was. Is he was very much, you do it my way or, or,
0: or you don't. You know, I, I think that's, I think if he'd have been 20 years old as the head coach, that's just, he is a believer, and, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but he was definitely a believer in it's my system. And this is one of the knocks on Landry. He never understood the emotional side of football. So he never understood that when a play breaks down, you, you've got to improvise. You know, that's that just not what you do. I remember Tony Dorsett talking about there was that they were practicing for the St. Louis Cardinal game, and this is one of his more famous runs where he yeah. basically breaks in, realizes the play is going to be broke out, and he bounces outside. So he yeah. did that in practice, and Landry just berates him. And we'll talk about this again on the 77 one because it's in that same year and berates him like that will never happen. If you do this, they're going to do this, and that's just how it works. And then yeah. – In the game, it broke exactly how Tony Dorsett thought it would. Not that he was smarter than Landry, but Landry just never could grasp that free willing improvisation. And I think that that's what hurt. That's one of the big knocks on on Landry as a head coach. Um, Because let's be honest, Dallas won two Super Bowls, but Dallas won lost more games they should have won in that era than one that they should have lost. Like you didn't like Dallas pulled a bunch of games out at the end and so you get that Roger comeback, Captain America. But on the grand scale of things there, there's no real big game in the 70s where you go, "Man, Dallas upset that team." Yeah. They came back and beat them, but like they didn't upset anybody their
1: Super Bowl wins were teams they should have beat. Dude, I mean, you look at that I'll give the 71 team as an example. Mm-hmm. You look at that team, like where where's the weakness? You have the one of the best secondaries in all of football. Three in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, Herb Adderley, who came from the Packers of the 60s dynasty. And he was that perfect –
0: him and Mike Dick. Now, that's one thing Landry did realize. His team needed leadership and needed a little bit more uh, guts, toughening. No. And, and, and Bob Lilly even admits that. He said, no. he said you get to that point where you're losing, you just start to realize you're going to lose. No matter when, when it's a big game, you're probably going to lose. He needed that Herb Adderley type to step in. And, and have that leadership. Yeah. Uh,
1: and he still had a great year. Oh, fantastic. Like, six interceptions I that um,
0: Mel Renfro, again, one of the most underrated Hall of Famers. Nobody talks about that Mel they Renfro don't. was yeah. was Deion Sanders without the flash. I mean, you just – Mel Renfro's on one side of the field. He shut down the defense. You didn't yeah. throw at him.
1: You know, like, if you look at just their defense alone, I mean, they had uh, – you know, just start with the secondary. They had Cornell Green. Mm-hmm. uh yeah, that was before Charlie Waters became the full-time. Yeah, I think uh, that so was – in fact, that might have been his rookie year. Yeah, I think Charlie Waters was more of a cornerback at
0: the time. Yeah, and, and there's a great story. I don't know if it was 71 – yeah. But there's a great story on the '77 uh, team, America's game mm-hmm. or America's te- America's game. I was gonna say America's team, where he talks about like he just got absolutely torched when he was playing corner. Mm-hmm. He just he wasn't fast enough, and it's funny because that's kind of Landry's career as a pro as a pro football player. Yeah, Landry ended up as a safety, but started as a corner, but he had no speed. Uh, but yeah, this was right when Charlie Waters was he was there, but he wasn't Charlie mm-hmm. Waters. Yeah,
1: uh, Herb Adley, Renfro. Cliff Harris, Hall of Famer. But you love that defensive line. I know you. Hey, dude. And I think this applies to today's NFL. If you want a competitive team, you got to build from the – I always compare a good NFL team to a house. A great house has a great foundation, a great Mm -hmm. base. To me, the equivalent of a base in NFL is the offensive and defensive line. Oh, yeah, still to this day. Yeah, you got to build it from the line out. I would always invest heavily on that because you, a great defensive line can mask, like take the, the recent examples of 2017 Eagles. A great defensive line can mask inefficiencies and in linebacker and safeties. And, yeah, linebacker and safety, which they did have major deficiencies. Uh, you know, you build a great line. And the great line, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy. Yeah. Jethro Pugh, very, very fantastic player, another guy. So, like, their tackles were stout, and I love great defensive tackles because they really get in the quarterback's face.
0: Well, especially in in Landry's. Now, this wasn't quite the the flex defense, and and we'll talk more about that as we get into these Cowboys teams. Uh, The flex defense was revolutionary until everybody figured it out. But in – so, if you don't know, um, Landry – Basically created the 4-3 defense. Yeah. And then he basically created the offense to beat the 4-3 defense. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what makes this Super Bowl so interesting is Don Shula's? He's not considered the, the father of the 3-4, but he was very big. He was one of the first early adapters of using the 3-4. Uh, but Landry created the 4-3 and he created it in as a giant defense corner because he was trying to protect Sam Huff. And 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 he's really the first guy that, as a defensive coordinator, said, "Okay, our defensive line, yeah, if you make a tackle, great, but your main job is to fill the gaps, protect your linebackers, let your
1: linebackers run free to the ball." Like the twenty or two thousand Ravens.
0: Yeah, two thousand Ravens. Exactly. People forget that when they tried to go to the three four, Ray Lewis about quit because yeah. he stopped
1: yeah Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams oh, the late, clogging up the everybody. Late Saragusa, yeah, um, but.
0: With this Cowboy team and the t- Cowboy teams of the 70s, whether it was de- this defensive line or the one that we all think of as, you know, Ed Tutal jones yeah. uh, Randy White, Harvey Martin, Larry Cole, and that group, these this defensive line in of itself was very active. And like you said, not just Bob Lilly, but then – Add in Leroy jo- Jordan and Chuck Halley. Yeah. How did teams score against this defense? I mean, when you look at how good they're and we'll talk about that in this playoff run because teams didn't score. Yeah. As much as we talk about Roger Staubach and Lance Allworth and, and Dwayne Thomas yeah. and, and his weird year there, at the end of the day, it was this defense. It was the defense, and this is the beginning and the first you know doomsday defense. Yeah. And, again, I know we're Cowboy fans, and so a lot of what we say can turn out to be a little bit hyperbolic. I understand that. But this defense is one of the top ten defenses of all time. Yeah. Just in players. And look at now with Chuck Halley now making the Hall of Fame. Finally. Look how many Hall of Famers are on it. Um, This 71 defense, I think they still could have won it if Roger Staubach had not ever started a game. It would have been
1: uglier, but this defense was humming at this time. Oh, yeah. The Cowboys defense was lights out. Just to even finish off, Larry Cole Mm -hmm. and George Autry at defensive uh, ends. there was no flaw. Chuck Howley, the prior year Super Bowl MVP, Leroy Jordan, like you said, Edwards, uh, the linebacker. So, I mean, it was 11 at least Pro Bowlers on one defense.
0: All right. So let's go ahead and get into it now. Let's start talking about that actual 71 season for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, going into the season, as we talked about, losses in two straight NFL title games. Again, yep. that was before the NFC-AFC. It was NFL versus AFL. Yep. Then losing to Cleveland back-to-back years. Then losing to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, losing uh, Yeah, in the Super Bowl to Baltimore. A- and Bob Lilly, I mean, he says it best about where the Cowboys were at that time.
2: 1965 was the first year that we we broke out of the the losing column. We were picked, I think, to win the Eastern Division.
3: We ended up seven and seven, which was a pretty good step for us. And then Roger Staubach. It was still Dallas cannot win the big game type mentality. So uh, even though we had taken a step closer, it still was we, we still had that tag of Dallas can't win the big game. And,
0: and so they come into this season. They can't win the big game and. Then the season starts, and, and let's just start from the beginning. We'll, we'll go game by game. We're not going to talk about like every game, but, but we're going to talk about the key ones. They, they start the year off by destroying Philadelphia. Philadelphia is not really good. Then they lose to Washington and they lose 20 to 16. And I think this is what starts the uh, Tom Landry couldn't make a decision because offensively, Dallas kind of you know, just they struggled in this game. They scored nine in the second quarter, seven in the four or seven in the fourth. Washington scored seven, seven, three, and three. Again, holding Washington to 20 points, yet your offense, which is a really good offense, could only score 16. I I think that started laying the foundation for the struggle. And then Monday, so go ahead and go back. So Clint starts that game. So then Landry says, okay, game three, we're going to start Roger Staubach. This is a Monday night football game. Uh, at the end of the first half, Dallas is up 13-6. Hmm. I mean, that sounds good. And for whatever reason, uh, never explained, but for whatever reason, uh, Sta- uh, Landry sits Stahlbach in that second half. Now, they end up winning the game. They only score one more touchdown, but they end up winning the game. But this is what Staubach had to say about that.
3: So now I'm thinking, hey, he hasn't he hasn't been shooting straight with me that you know here here we are winning a game and to be taken out. It, I mean, it couldn't be anything worse in my mind. That was a horrible moment for me. I mean, I've I never felt so bad the team. I-
0: so think about that. at that point, he could have lost the team. Like that, that could that could have easily he could have lost Roger Staubach, and and Roger Staubach has been a little bit more at times. This, this again, you have to remember. You and I joked about this when we were watching this America's uh, team or America's game. Uh, Lillian Staubach are really, really careful not to criticize Landry. I mean, they still think of him, and of course, these were when were these filmed about fifteen years ago. When that when
1: yeah, is when they first
0: started. But even then, they were still. And even to this day, they rarely want to criticize him. But if you go find some older Roger Staubach, like in some books and other video, he's a little bit more like, this really hurt me. And I could see why. Again, this is where, and Lily talks about it. And if you haven't ever watched you can find it on YouTube. 1971, America's Game, Dallas. And they talk about the fact that that was, again, Landry's big weakness as he just... And this this continues. Yeah. This continues all the way through when it was in 1984 with Dan, Danny White and Steve Pelour. Yeah, For some reason, the one thing, one of his two biggest weaknesses were he didn't understand the emotional side of football. And the second one was he could never decide on a quarterback unless that quarterback just absolutely forced him to, like Stahlbach did.
1: I kind of wonder if it was Staubach's style that kind of it was. I think hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, Ra- Staubach was kind of. I mean, him and Tarkenton were kind of unique quarterbacks around this time, where they were more of a running quarterback. Now, Staubach ended up becoming more of a a, com- a great well, combo, like a like a like Steve Young is a great example of this, where he's just great at throwing the ball and also great at getting you. So he could get you three thousand yards passing, but he can also get you three hundred yards rushing. So he was more of a situation, as he be, got more comfortable in the offense, he became more of a situation runner. It was third and four. He saw it, took two seconds, you know, scanned the field, saw yeah. nothing. He would just dart five yards, to get the first down. Well, also, let,
0: let's, I agree with you 100% on the, you know, being him and t- targeting, but, uh, Stahlbach was a rusher in a different way. He wasn't a rusher to run down the field. Like the most yards he had in his career as a, as a running back or as a running quarterback is actually this year, 343.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: His was more of scramble to stay open. Yeah. Uh and targeted, too as well. But but yeah, I, I think that's 100% what it is. Again, we talk about it. Landry didn't like deviations in his plan. If if he drew the play up, he wanted that play to be exactly yeah. the way it should, and, and if you've never seen the movie North Dallas Forty, it's basically kind of a, a, a it's the Cowboys, yeah. And, and there's a scene in there where the head coach is basically saying, "This play, you know, this is not what you do on the play." And, and Nick Nolte is the wide receiver, and he's saying, "Yeah, but it worked," and he's like, "It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, that's not how I drew it up." And, and let's be fair, that's the that's the ego of, of a coach. Yeah, Landry would almost at times. Rather the play fail as long as it went the way he said it would yeah. than Roger Staubach pulling it down and scrambling and or s- Tony
1: Dorsett breaking out and, and you know reversing his field. I'll never understand that concept. Why is your why is a like why is that ego so bad to where you can't wanna win? No he. I mean, we're gonna be talking about egos in the nineties with Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. So just get <laughs> prepared to understand that uh. I, but you, you would know rather lose doing it your way than win getting help doing it someone else's way. It, it just bo- boggles my mind. But anyway, uh, yeah, going Landry. I, I I still feel the 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 trust also the lack of trust goes also back to the prior season where yeah. the roles were kind of reversed where there, the Cowboys were playing better with Craig Morton and Roger Staubach. I think he, he played sparingly, but he had like two touchdowns, I think eight, eight, interceptions. Yeah, eight, eight, eight interceptions. So I could still see Landry still not having that full trust in Roger Staubach. Well,
0: and, and let's be fair, Craig Morton. And again, Craig Morton is one of those that he, he is imprinted on Cowboys history more than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Craig Morton was a really solid quarterback. Craig yeah. Morton was not a bad quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- like you talked about in 1970, he threw for 15 touchdowns and seven interceptions. In 69, he threw for 21 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. But I'm gonna say this: th- th- there's a theme in Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks outside of two of them, Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. The other ones are always really, really good, but they don't. Tend to shine the best in the big games, and that was Craig Morton's issue. At fair or not, he just at the end of the day, w- when it came to like the playoffs and things yeah. like that, like his playoff record, he he threw nine touchdowns and sixteen interceptions. Ouch. Um, and that's not just counting Dallas; that's counting Denver too. And remember, we'll talk about that later. He leads Denver to a Super Bowl. You gotta feel you gotta feel bad for him. He he, he gets to another team. He well, he mean, goes. The, through, right, sorry, he goes through the Giants and he's it's terrible. Yeah. He ends up on Denver. They have a really good defense. They have That's a really yeah, yeah. They have a really good. But I mean, he he was not bad though. He performed well yeah. in that season. Yeah. And who does he get in the Super Bowl? The Dallas Cowboys. But we'll talk about that. But anyway, so <laughs> so the, the the New York game happens, yeah. and then they end up going with Roger Staubach. Hang on, let me pull this back up. I got to go back over. Um, they go with Roger Staubach, uh, and, and they lose to the Saints. Think about that. They lose to the Saints. Well, Morton
1: started that game.
0: No, no, I'm just saying. No, yeah. I'm just saying. They go to the, and then against New England, which is opening of Texas Stadium, yeah. uh, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, they go with Roger. They win. Then they go against Chicago and they lose. And again, he goes back to th- 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 this is the game. Okay, so everybody talks about. Everybody always remembers that. There was a time in this season uh, that the Cowboys alternated quarterbacks per snap.
1: Well, before you mention this, the the game before the Patriot game. The Saints game? Uh, well, after the Saints game was the first home game. Yeah, the Patriot game. At Texas Yeah, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Okay, we're talking about that in okay, a second.
0: Okay, I, okay. I wanted to get to this part because the way the editing works on do this you good, the video. You good. Right. Um, so... Everybody remembers that they traded out quarterbacks every snap, but I think everybody, including me, honestly, as a Cowboy fan who knows the season, I thought it was done more. It was only that one game. Mm -hmm. It was against Chicago, but as crappy as that was because of Chicago uh, won the game, I I think this is where the season just truly was in balance. And and even somebody, and we talk about Bob Lilly, very like, Whatever the coach wants, I'll do. But even he admitted that this was an issue. I, I did not
2: like an alternating quarterback. I, I know there must have been a reason that Coach Landry had, but as players, don't like that. We like to have somebody over. If he's not going to cut it, put somebody else in. But let us have somebody to lead us.
0: I didn't look. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, and almost like we don't even care. Yeah. Like just we just give us one, and, and, and that goes to the dynamic that. Again, Landry just never quite grasped as great as Landry is. And and I I still contend that he's a top three coach because just the fact that you create the 4-3 and then you create the offense to beat the 4-3 and a lot of the concepts that they do now started with him and Don Coriel, but a lot of it with Landry with the screen passes and things like that. He just never understood the dynamics of personal relationships. And it's so crazy to hear that because he wore his heart outside of football on a sleeve. Yeah, He was very Christian. He was very big about speaking about his beliefs and his faith and his religious thoughts. And, and he was very big on sharing that. But for whatever reason, Landry could never, and and I I almost pulled it and and played it, but Lily and him talk about, you know, probably, and and I don't disagree with it, a lot of it was, like you said, his age, his generation, the greatest generation. He fought in World War II. His brother died in World War II. He had a plane crash. I mean, I can understand why the emotions got turned off, but it's one of those as great as you, I would love to go back to 1969 Tom Landry and be like, dude, if you just learn a little bit of motivation, if you just, if you show your emotion, yeah. Because I I do think for as great as he was, I think that that's that part that was missing for the Cowboys of the 70s instead of going to five Super Bowls and winning two, going to five Super Bowls and winning three, four, maybe all of them. Because Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw never got along, but they learned how to deal with each other and work together. And as Terry Bradshaw said, Chuck Knoll knew how to just
1: motivate you. Yeah,
0: That's the weakness that Landry had.
1: Yeah. 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 That- I I even hate to say this, but the fact that the Cowboys went to five Super Bowls, I, I almost feel like that's a disappointment. I almost feel like I mean, the when
0: Cowboys... You, but- when you you look at what they did, hang on, I wanna, you actually led me right there. Let, let's talk about that. Okay, so we, we talked about 66, NFC. We're just going to go ahead and call it NFC. NFL, but NFC title game, yeah. loss. 67, NFL title game, loss. 1970, lose a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Listen to this stretch, though. From 1970... NFC champions lost in the Super Bowl. 71, NFC champions won a Super Bowl. 72, NFC championship loss. 73, NFC championship loss. 74 is the one time in the 70s they missed the playoff. They still go 8-6. and
1: But you know why it was a trans— Well, we'll we'll talk about it when we do the 77 team. Yeah, yeah. because the the, the 77
0: team does not happen without the 74 team not making the playoffs. Correct, correct.
1: I I do think that
0: that's when Landry kind of made some changes. But anyway, 75, (laughs) NFC championship loss. 76 is the first time outside of 74 that Dallas wasn't in an NFC championship game. But then in 77, NFC championship game, Super Bowl. Uh-huh. 78, NFC championship game, lost in the Super Bowl. That is, as much as we talk about Bill Belichick, and, and, and you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, Bill Belichick has said it. Tom Landry is like his hero. Yeah, Tom Landry, he, he literally, everything Bill Belichick's done, he's admitted he basically shaped after Landry. And Belichick basically had Landry's career, but he won the more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Like the, the years that they, he literally finished one year shy of beating Landry's record of most consecutive winning seasons. Yeah. The difference is, and, and people say, well, Tom Brady. No, cause Roger's talked about' a damn good quarterback. The difference was, is for whatever reason, Belichick, and he's not the greatest motivator, but he, his teams won those Super Bowls that Dallas couldn't win. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's now go back to 1971. New England Patriots, uh, not only was that just a big win at the moment, that is the opening of what became And we're going to have an episode uh, here soon. It might, might be this year where we're just going to talk about Texas Stadium because I have a lot of memories of Texas Stadium, not just as a Cowboy fan, but high school football and stuff yeah. like that. But But as much as we love Texas Stadium, It's kind of funny because the players didn't really think that way. Look at Texas Stadium
3: as being a a big thing. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed the Cotton Bowl better. They probably didn't want to air condition it, uh, so they had the hole in the roof. I mean, there was reasons they they gave for the hole in the roof so God could watch his son coach. It was a more sterile atmosphere. I mean, it was like there just wasn't a
2: lot of... Shouting and noise, and it yeah. was interesting how the crowd responded after a, a touchdown or a play. It was like, Bravo, bravo, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and, 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 and that was the extent of it. Jump. All right, so that's Dwayne Thomas. Let's go ahead and now transition into that talk, okay? So, Dwayne Thomas was the second year running back, um, rookie of the year uh, for the league. And we'll talk about the money part. But Dwayne Thomas, you know, everybody talks about Jim Brown and Jim Brown being the counterculture, you know, because Jim Brown was an activist before you really thought about that in sports. Oh. In fact, Jim Brown was probably the very first activist of of an athlete. But it, it, to me, if there's a guy that epitomizes the true counterculture, that's Dwayne Thomas because for good or bad, right or wrong, Dwayne Thomas was going to do things his way, whether you liked it or not, and that led to an interesting career, uh, too. Way, way too short, uh, but very impactful, especially for the Cowboys. Uh, But you want to, for all the talk about Landry dealing with Roger Staubach and Craig Mortensen, I would love to really know because he, you never. That's one thing about Landry; he never really talked bad about his players or anything. I would really have loved to have known what Landry really thought of him because we're talking about a generational thing. And let's be honest, we're talking about a race thing. Mm-hmm. You and I, we watched the 71 Americas uh, game uh, before, even though we've watched it many times. But we just, I, I like to do that right for some. And you can even hear like Bob Lilly and Roger Staubach not being racial, but just saying things that you think of the older white guy saying <laughs> about African-Americans. Am I wrong?
1: Uh, you know he didn't, not wrong. <laughs> he didn't do things
0: the right way. Yeah. He didn't, you know, why didn't, you know. But so Dwayne Thomas, first off, in saying that, Bob Lilly just talks, just wax poetic about how great he was. Yeah. He literally says he thought he was going to be the next Jim Brown. Yeah. Um, watching his film, Dwayne Thomas was a violent runner, was fat. I mean, he's everything you think of as a running back in the late uh, 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Dwayne Thomas, he wasn't going to do anything for free, and I'm not blaming on any of this. But I mean, he's one of those that you know, money was a big issue. But there's a reason why money was a big issue. I thought he was making sixteen five. He had, he had already he was four years all pro, and uh, so, um, and he's talking about Jethro I wonder if this
2: just. Uh, you know, racial thing, just a black I thing. I said, let me find what the white boys are doing. <laughs> so I talked to Bob, and then Bob said he's making $27,000. I said,
1: 27,000? <laughs> That's it?
2: But the 11 Pro Bowls I went to, about the last eight of them, we always talked about salary. When I negotiated with Tex, and I told him, some of these defensive linemen I met are making 100. He said, "Don't you know they're just pulling your leg?" He said, "They're just trying to make you angry at us." And you know, I didn't know whether to believe him or not.
0: So think about that. So we haven't even brought up Tech Shram. Right. Tech Shram is, you know, for all the talk about Landry, Tech Shram is the guy that came in and revolutionized scouting. Uh, And when I mean that, he truly revolutionized scouting. They they were using computers before anybody else. They were they were drafting. Olympic runners like Bob Hayes, yeah. basketball players like Cornell Green. They, they, they didn't just look for the normal. But Tex Tram also was very infamous and notorious <laughs> and famous for not paying his players. And in that, uh, in that episode, they talk about, and it's brilliant, they basically would underpay Stahlbach and Lilly and lean on them about, hey, you're the leaders of the team. We want to win. Yeah. And then they would go to the other players and be like, Hey, we can't pay you more than Stahlbach and Lilly. Uh, but Dwayne Thomas was one of the first ones that really called out I and mean, I mean, he says, like, he does not, he did not have a good, like, there's no love loss when they talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but again, as a fan, that's part of why the Cowboys work was because of that. It's brilliant as a fan, but for these people making career living, I mean, I mean, think about that. And I joked earlier when we were watching this, like, you know, at times Bob Lilly kind of come off as a rube on some of this, like taking Tech Tram's word for that. And and, and that's where Dwayne Thomas was different. He he didn't he wouldn't take their words for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how the Tech Tram was able to get away with underpaying his. There was no salary cap. There was no salary cap I mean that I just I, I'm just shocked that I mean I I guess since you know I was born in the 80s grew up during the tech age uh, I would just think that at some point in the 70s these players would be talking to each other and realize oh wait you make this much you make this much yeah and I just, I just don't see like what was what's the loyalty to to a team when there's no uh you can just leave, you know. Like you when know, once your contract's up, you can just go make the money you want somewhere else. I mean, yeah, maybe it was a family thing, maybe like. But you oh, couldn't I'll, back then. So
0: back then, so, there and baseball was called the reserve clause, mm-hmm. and this was how it was in all sports. So basically, the the, the every contract you sign, if you signed a year contract, the club had an option to pick up that contract the next year. You mm-hmm. didn't get to go to free agency. So, if Bob Lilly, if you were underpaid, you were like, if you, if your only choice was just to not play.
1: Yeah.
0: That's why the World Football League had a moment, had a moment because they were trying, the owners of the World Football League were like, we'll, we'll pay you what we feel you're worth. Of course, how did that work out? They all went bankrupt. Yeah. But yeah, that's why, <laughs> because you just couldn't, you couldn't leave. If yeah. your contract ended and Dallas was like, okay, you know, let's say Bob Lilly went to a Tech Tram and said, I'm not going to play next year if you don't pay me. All right, well, fine. We're just going to re-up you anyway. If you don't play, you don't get paid, and you can't go to another
1: team. It'll be a good discussion point uh, for another podcast, how the World Football League kind of... Uh, affected the NFL landscape in the late 70s. Well,
0: yeah, it basically led to eventually the late 80s having what was the first called fr- uh, Plan B free agency, oh, yeah, um, which is where Cowboys got like Jay Novacek and mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, the, the, it wasn't just i I'll let my contract run out because the Cowboys could yeah. just re up you and keep re-upping you. And since there was no salary cap and they weren't paying you a lot, okay, we'd rather we'd rather pay Bob Lilly 27000 not to play than let him go somewhere else and play and you knew Bob Lilly because he loved football wasn't going to not play so at the end of the day what's he going to do? He's going to take the 27,000 yeah. and he's going to play All right, I do want to go back to because we kind of got out of sequence uh, but I wanted to talk we want to talk about the every other the every other play thing that they did
3: against the Bears I'm going to alternate plays and, you know, Craig and I kind of looked at each other and said, you know, I just hear, who, who was that? You know, I, mean, I, I hate the question. <laughs> Coach Landry is, you know, again, he's not perfect. He's a little quirky at times. And, and that didn't make any sense. That, that just showed the fact that he still hadn't understood that, that the team was a bit divided at quarterback. I knew when he said I was a starting quarterback that he, this I wouldn't be he pulled. Makes him the starter after this game. I mean, it was a whole yeah, different feeling. When he announced I was a starting quarterback, he was going to stick with me. Love those Cowboy Blues right there. This was my season now. This was my team. <laughs> Played hard, and he was very smart. Dwayne,
1: rare. bad memories with those Blue jerseys.
0: Oh, whatever. You, don't even, you didn't even grow up in that era where the Blues were considered bad. Like, what bad loss in the 90s when the Cowboys were wearing blue?
1: Eagles. They weren't wearing blue. they were in those weird double stars. that doesn't count as the blue. Uh, I'm thinking that game they were wearing blue jerseys.
0: They were wearing the blue star the double stars. That's not really the blues. that's what I'm saying. That's not really the blues. All right, so anyway, so that's the regular season. <laughs> now let's go into the playoffs for the 1971 season. Uh, as, you know, of course, Dallas is in the playoffs. Uh, on the NFC side, it's Dallas, Washington, Minnesota, and San Francisco. Again, back then, only one wild card. And this was also before, I know you've been wanting to say this because this is something that you love to mention. This was before the current system of best team yeah. gets the home field. Back then, they just alternated. That's just so weird to me. That That's just, they, they alternated.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you go to the '72 season, the following season, the undefeated Miami Dolphins had to go to Pittsburgh for the AFC title game, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. There must have been a. I never. I I, I tried looking this up. I couldn't find an actual reason why this rule is in place, but uh, you know. The, despite that, they 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 got it right in seventy five. I just I think it's one of those things they they just didn't think of.
0: You know, yeah. you just didn't think of. Hey, the best team. You know, the best record probably needs to be the home field. Yeah. Um, and, and just I mean, it, it didn't happen. But just think what would have happened if the uh, if the I thought uh, about that. If the you know the Steelers would have upset the Dolphins and and killed an undefeated season
1: yeah. simply
0: because the game was being played in Pittsburgh where it could have been twenty degree you know anything
1: like that. Well, I mean, think about this: like the AFC playoffs in seventy one, the Chiefs actually had the number one seed mm-hmm. in seventy one. Uh, they would have played the uh, Colts, I believe. Yeah, because it was just divisional rounds. So the it was only four teams. So, yeah, the Chiefs would have played the Colts in Kansas City. And then the Browns would have went to Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that that could have changed everything. And then going to the NFC, Dallas and Minnesota had the same record. I think Minnesota had the one seed. So Dallas would have played the 49ers not in the NFC title game but in the divisional round. Yeah. And then Minnesota would have hosted the Redskins. So I mean that you don't know what would have happened. Maybe no, I think you're 100% right on that. Yeah, like you maybe the Dolphins don't make it. out. Maybe the Cowboys lose to um uh, the 49ers. Yeah. We just don't know what's going to happen. So,
0: all right. So in the first round of the playoffs outside of Dallas, uh, San Francisco does beat Washington 24 to 20. I think a little bit of an upset, even though Washington was the wild card.
1: They had the better record.
0: They had the better record. I think they were the better team, uh, over in the AFC, Baltimore shuts out or shuts down Cleveland 20 to three. And then Miami and Kansas city play. I I think if anybody that knows football and knows the seventies, For all the talk of the Dallas Cowboys and them winning the Super Bowl, I think the most iconic game is Miami versus Kansas City because that game went forever.
1: Yeah, it ended up being the longest game ever played. Uh, And Miami won a Gary game winning field goal in the second overtime. Uh, It was also kind of symbolic in the sense that this is kind of like the last hurrah that 60s and 70s Chiefs team.
0: that's a really good point that we forget about You again you want to talk about teams that won a Super Bowl but you kind of felt like they left a couple on the table Kansas yeah. City is definitely one of those
1: yeah I mean they made the first they were the first AFL champions uh, in the Super Bowl and you know they, there's a lot of you know hey Hank Stram forever to this day you love this. I still an- you love I this. still annoy you to yeah, this day did. but you know what you put up with it because I loved it too yeah. I'll admit <laughs> Matri- what is it? And he and he uses the word wrong, but it's still iconic. So he still says... How does he
0: use the word, wrong
1: word? Matriculates. Yeah. It actually means to graduate. Yes, it is. Well, <laughs> so.
0: oh, oh, that's what he's saying. Graduate down the field.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, for anyone listening, it means to graduate to college. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So let's go ahead and now get into the Cowboys and the Vikings. Yeah. Um, the 71 season, dude, I... I for all the talk about it, damn it, if they didn't almost lose a game yeah. a- against a team that outside of, you know, Minnesota's inept offense and if this game is literally what led to Minnesota going okay. We need to get better in offense, and they reacquire Fran Tarkin, who they had had before, and then yep. he had played for the Giants. Uh, but Minnesota, by all accounts, dominated this game offensively. Uh, they outgained Dallas. Uh, what was it, three hundred and eleven yards to two hundred and twenty-five yards? Uh, Dallas rushed for ninety-eight yards, but it took forty carries. Yeah, ten of fourteen for ninety-nine yards. Again, dude, different era if you, you can't in today's world, you can't have a game like Roger Staubach did and survive as quarterback. I mean, we even think you look at Dak Prescott who, who did not have a great game against San Francisco and look at how much he gets tore to shreds. Yeah. If Dallas loses this game, I, I again, we go back to, I, I don't know if Landry survives. I don't know if, if Roger Staubach survives, he was 10 of 14, uh, but only for 99 yards. Uh, but that defense, and, and even though Minnesota had some gained some yards, at the end of the day, that turnover you know, aggressive defense yeah. is what won that
1: game. What the our, our irony is, Minnesota had the best defense football in seventy one. Yes, it's stat wise, as, right? As, as much as I love the Cowboys stacked defense, but you could
0: also make the point that their their defense it also helped that where they they were in a weaker division. Yeah, they were in a weaker but, division. But that people that, that people purple eater defense. Yeah. That was at the – I mean, as we talk about, Alan Page, MVP, yeah. Jim Marshall. It's funny because it, people thought Jim Marshall was on the downside of his career and he had a, a, a bounce back year that year. Yeah, um, yeah hey,
1: The all-time NFL interception leader, Paul Krause. Yes. On that team.
0: I always forget he ended up over in Minnesota. I forgot yeah. about that. But was yeah. he
1: more of a lion player? Dolphin too, I thought.
0: Dolphin, okay. I thought it was Dolphin. Anyway, uh, but Dallas da- – but I'll tell you what. This game, this game did something, though, for Dallas. Yeah. Because Dallas did something that they weren't known for, and that's when crap was going wrong, they mm-hmm. found a way to win. Well, Because that's not yeah. what Dallas did. In the, again, that's why you're called next year's champions. It's not because you lose games. It's because when things go bad, you don't know how to respond. Dallas yeah. knew how to respond in that game. Uh, and so as, as dangerous as that game could have been to the legacy, I think this game is what... Finally got Dallas to go, okay, even when we don't play our best, we can win a game that
1: matters. Yeah, same thing. The, the current Cowboy crop needs to start learning. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, they, they turned uh, five turnovers into 13 points, and that ended up being the difference in this game. To me, Dallas was the better team. They didn't play like it in this game. Well, this
0: goes back to again what we we're talking about. Why were there's no way that game should have been in Minnesota? Uh, yeah, I mean seriously, that
1: game should have been in Texas Stadium. Well, they should not have played in the divisional round. Let's just back up even further. There, there's no reason they should have even played. It's just the way the playoff format was structured. At oh that yeah, part. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
0: but yeah. So anyway, so Dallas wins that. So then we. That, so going into the next round, you have Dallas versus San Francisco. That game is at Texas Stadium. Yeah. And then Miami versus Baltimore, that game's at the Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, for some people that might think, well, maybe Miami lost to Dallas because of that
1: Kansas City game, you know, because of
0: how long it was. You can't really say that because they shut out Baltimore the next
1: week. Yeah. Bob. Oh, going back to what you were saying about uh, quarterbacks not throwing much during the game, that AFC title game between the Dolphins and the Colts, uh, Bob Greasy only ha- completed four passes in the whole game. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and I, I think in the Super Bowl two years later, when Miami played uh, Minnesota, I think Bob Greasy was like six for seven in that Super Bowl. So that, that the seventy three team for the Dolphins is considered better than the seventy two. But uh, oh hmm. yeah, and, and and you know we'll talk about that here as as we finish. Up. Well, I was going to say just one more thing about yeah, go ahead. The, uh, AFC title game in 71. That was Don Shula's revenge game, essentially, because he got fired from Baltimore. Well, he didn't get
0: fired. Now, you said that earlier. He didn't really get fired. I thought he got fired. No, he left Baltimore for
1: Miami. Oh okay.
0: Yeah, no, no, he didn't get fired. He Miami, you know, uh, had fired George Wilson. I think it was. I can't remember the name of the coach. Oh, Not that was t- a
1: good coach for. Uh, well, go ahead, keep talking. But
0: anyway, it. yeah. So you had said that earlier, but no, he didn't get fired. He he just left. He wanted to. Oh, okay. I think if I remember correctly, it was money okay. and control. I think Miami was willing to give him the keys to the yes the car. They were and, and the Colts had th- were more of the old like you know we build your team and you coach it. So anyway, yeah. so they they beat Baltimore so they're going to the Super Bowl and then San Francisco versus Dallas the very first game at uh, a b- very first playoff game at Texas Stadium. Mm-hmm. And while the offense still wasn't amazing, uh the defense was absolutely dominating. And again, this defense had one of the best runs to a Super Bowl that you've seen. They gave up one touchdown in three playoff games, and
1: that is um, crazy.
0: Yeah, and against good now. Well, now Minnesota's offense—you can make a case, but get, San Francisco was a good offense.
1: Yeah, uh, John
0: Brody, and, right? Yeah, he was the he was the quarterback, and in that game, uh, they held him to fourteen of thirty for 184 yards, three interceptions, and no touchdowns. Hmm. Uh, again, though, Roger Staubach, a, 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 we think of him now—nine of eighteen for 103 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns, <laughs> but no interceptions. Yeah. Um, what one? In this game, and and, and we, we took, but really, what made Dallas's offense so good is you couldn't key in on anybody. Walt Garrison, fifty-two yards; Dwayne Thomas, fifty-five yards; uh, Calvin Hill, twenty-one yards; um, Roger Staubach ran for fifty-five yards. Uh, receiving wise, uh, the, the leading receiver was Billy Truax at forty-two yards and two completions. <laughs> uh, but when your defense is playing as good as it is, and you're getting six sacks, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, getting sacks time. I thought they had six sacks. Uh, wow! Again, th- this is this is why I say this team is just so different than the rest of the '70s team because when you think of the Cowboys and Landry, the Doomsday defense is there, but you think of that shotgun offense, yeah, diversified seven guys, stallback throwing for 250, two running backs at 80 yards, yeah. But this def- this team until the Super Bowl in the playoffs. It was the defense. The defense
1: legitimately carried the offense. And it was one of the best offensive lines of football, too. And Roger Staubach still got sacked six times. But that might be more so because of how Staubach played.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Part of that could have been how he played and how aggressive he was running the ball. And as great as that is, even in today's world, yeah. you run yourself into sacks. Yeah. But I also think you still you got to remember, this is the first full time that Rodgers truly starting as a quarterback. Yeah. Full time, he doesn't have to worry about that. He's still learning the NFL game. Yeah. Uh but the the biggest thing was as though is that they made the plays when they needed to. Um th- the crazy thing is though is this this game was kind of like, eh, my me and my dad were talking about that. My dad, of course, watched it. And Cowboys score in the second quarter. Cowboys score in the fourth quarter. It was close in the score because Dallas couldn't score a lot. But Dad said from his memory, he never felt like they were in trouble. But he never felt that they were going to lose because you, you, he said you realized early on that that San Francisco just could not yeah. move the ball against the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. So that puts Dallas back into the Super Bowl back to back years. Okay. Uh, you know, I was asking Dad again because he's my reference, and, and I was trying to look online too. But is I your pro
1: football reference?
0: Yeah, he's my pro football reference. I, but I was—I I tried to look online and, and what other people said. Like, who was the favorite? You know, who was? And he said, well, you know, everybody still because Dallas had been back the year before, yeah. and because Dallas was, you know, um, they were close to being uh, the team, and they were next year's champion. He said it was, you know, he, he goes, you, you kind of felt it that Dallas was going to win the game, but he said, you know, you still were afraid of that running game of the Miami Dolphins. And let's kind of talk about the Miami Dolphins because you talked about how they uh they, they didn't throw the ball a ton. Uh and, and we can talk about all the the bevy of backs that that uh Dallas had. But man, the Dolphins of that day, Jim Kick, Larry Zonka, and Mercury Morris, mm-hmm. on top of Paul Warfield, who a lot of people think Paul Warfield was a lot like Lance Alworth, like he came over the, the, the Dolphins and you know he he didn't really yeah. do a lot, but that's not true. Warfield was there for four years. Lance Alworth was really there for only a year and a half. Uh, he had six hundred yards. Not he, had, in fact, seventy one. He had nine hundred and ninety six yards and eleven touchdowns. So this goes back to what you talk about that Dallas secondary
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that Dallas secondary was key in that game because they never allowed warfield to stretch the field and that forced the dolphins to be even more run heavy Uh, and and in the game uh the dolphins had 10 first downs they only ran for 80 yards on 20 carries Uh, they threw for 134 yards uh bob greasy was 12 of 23 134 yards one interception one sack uh, Jim Kick, 40 yards. Larry Zonka, 40 yards. And I guess Mercury Morris must have been hurt. I, I never actually paid attention to that. But they held Paul Warfield to four catches, 39 yards. And that right there is where the game was won. That and also Roger Staubach. You, you, this was the game that you saw what Roger Staubach could be. He didn't throw for a ton of yards, but he had 12, catch, uh, 12 uh, attempts. I'm sorry, 19 attempts, 12 uh, completions, and two touchdowns. And I think that's the game where you realize what Roger Staubach could be.
1: Yeah. It was more of an efficient game, but, I mean, he didn't do anything. But I mean, that's,
0: that's what you think of Roy. In my opinion, when you think of Roger Staubach, you think of the efficiency.
1: Yeah. And, and, and In a sense, yeah. But I think when a lot of people think about Staubach, just from my point of view, they think about it more as mid to late 70s where he was more of a playmaker. Yeah. Uh, leader of the shotgun offense. Yeah, no, that's a good point, good point. Uh, but this, now to a better extent, this is, you know, like Terry Bradshaw was more of a game manager back in his earlier career with the Steelers. I would say Roger Staubach kind of falls in line there, mm-hmm. but I think he was still more of a playmaker than Bradshaw was in the beginning of his career with the Steelers.
0: Well, and, and saying all that about the offense, at the end of the day, the iconic play, and this was the iconic play, in my opinion, in the Super Bowl, probably until the Lin Swan bobble catch against Dallas. Yeah, uh, the the most, you know, the play that I, when I think of the Super Bowl, it, it all comes back down to the the great Bob Lilly mm-hmm. and and. I mean when, when you see that I mean that that right there mm-hmm. just Bob Lilly chasing Bob, uh, Bob Greasy down the field and, and finally getting that sack if, if you want to talk about one play that epitomizes one guy's career yeah it's Bob Lilly yeah. he didn't get him the first time he didn't get him the second <laughs> time he didn't even get him the third time but finally that fourth time Greasy turns right into him and, and yeah. Bob Lilly is able to win the or get the sack, and, and and I I pointed out to you earlier when we were watching this, and, and we'll we'll talk about it here in a second, like what it meant for the Cowboys to win, but to see Bob Lilly's face afterwards in that locker room, I, I was kind of sad because you didn't see celebration, you saw relief, yeah. Like and you and I talked about you hear Troy Aikman talk about that '95 Super Bowl, like he, he even admits like that he didn't celebrate, yeah. It was relief. That's sad, and it's sad because it's expectations, and you and I talk about how fair is that, how fair are those type of expectations to where you win your first and only Super Bowl, Hmm. you win the first championship for your franchise. Bob Lilly was, the for all the talk about Roger Staubach, and again, this is why the 71 team and the 77 team are different. As you said, when you think of 77, you think of Roger Staubach, you think of the shotgun, you think of Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, Tony Hill. You saw the Cowboys in nineteen seventy one, it was Bob Lilly and only Bob Lilly. Yeah. I mean, he was the face of the franchise. And for him to and he was happy, but you can see he says it in in the documentary, but you can even see it in the he's not happy, he's he's just relieved. Yeah. And that's I don't know. That's one of those weird things for me. Like that just kind of sucks. Like you yeah, just was, can't
1: enjoy it. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if the Cowboys were known for anything else outside of Bob Lilly might have been Bob Hayes, just because of his just blazes. because of the speed, yeah. yeah
0: but, but 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 like personality but, yeah. wise, Bob, Bob Lilly is yeah, Mr. Cowboy. Yeah.
1: he had that iconic moment we talked about where he tossed his helmet fifty yards after the loss to the uh, to the Colts. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very sad. I mean, you did see him smile a couple times. I, I think he could actually. I think he was probably looking forward to actually sleeping. Yeah. A, a, a whole night for the first time in a couple years. It, it's it's a very, like you said, it's a very sad feeling to have, um, but uh, re- re- relief can be its own happiness in a sense. Uh, I don't want to explain it better than that. I, I no, just, I agree. I, I That's think, a good way to describe I, I, it. I just actually. think he was on edge and always thinking about the worst case scenario because of his life experiences as a football player that... You know, no matter how good your team was at some point, it was just going to backfire and they were just going to lose. Well, you know, and we didn't even really talk about
0: this and I thought about it and, and, you know, maybe one day when we talk about like, you know, what it means, you know, as a cowboy and everything, you, you look at what um, you look at what. Bob Lilly went through, and then you think of Don Meredith, who literally quit because the pressure just got to him. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and just he couldn't. He and he admitted he couldn't. He just could not handle him and Landry. Yeah, he couldn't handle the big losses. He, he was having ulcers and stuff, and that's one of those where you start to go, man. When when you think about
1: like, just it's a game. Well, you know, football wasn't even the number one sport at no, this point No, not time. that you... Base, good point. Baseball was still the number one sport in America. You know, it went until, like, the later 70s. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Especially in the 80s yeah. when they, uh, the uh, fo- pro football overtook baseball. All right, so this is what they have to say about winning that big one. When we finally won it and it was just like being free. I don't
2: know. You know, I mean, I've never felt that way before that you, you just felt like you could pretty near fly. It's a sense of accomplishment
3: that, that can't, like I haven't had anything to replace it yet. We were four and three and all of a sudden we were Super Bowl champions.
0: You think this now takes the uh, onus off that we can't win the big one anymore? I would think so. Well, if it isn't, I don't know how you'd spell it. I'll tell you that.
2: That won't do it. That was a feeling that you can't buy. You couldn't spend $100 million and buy that feeling. No way.
0: Here's that video.
2: Made me feel wonderful. And it was so wonderful. I just cannot believe we finally did it. We finally did it.
0: Jimmy Brown. I mean that, that that's just, I mean it's it's wonderful, and, and, and I go back to and, and you know I'm a Cowboy fan, so I hated it, but but the the, the closest thing I have to that yeah is Steve Young winning the Getting Super the Bowl. Yes, winning the yeah. Super Bowl against San Diego um, after they cheated Dallas and paid the officials. <laughs> no, no. Um, but no, winning that Super Bowl and yeah. he's celebrating, but the first thing he is thinking is get the monkey off my back. Yeah. You know, that's just – again, I go back to, you know, we all love this. I mean, you know, I, I, we get paid to talk sports, and sports is important in our life. Yeah. But, man, when, when you get to the point where you can't even enjoy the victory because the pressure – and it's all fake. It's all – pressure to win in sports is, is manufactured. It's not real world. Yeah. Nobody – you know, I guess some people get, die because of it because they get drunk and shoot each other and mm-hmm. stupid crap like that. But, but in the yeah. real world of life, sports does, you know, it, it shouldn't matter that much. As I say that, as we have a podcast that we're talking. <laughs> but you know my point on that. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, when, when you can't even enjoy your way. And it's the same thing with us as Cowboy fans. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I talked about this before. I always joke that I was fine until 2012. The Texas Rangers broke me. <laughs> because they get to one strike, one out, and, and they don't. And since that time, before then, twice. I twice shut up. Um, but you know, I, I get I, something about that change. But even but now, yeah. like when, like sometimes it's hard for me to watch a a, a, a playoff game. Yeah. Because I just it, it's not even about when. Like when Dallas beat Tampa Bay this year in mm-hmm. the first round, there was no. As a fan, it was just more relief. Yeah. It was just. I just, oh, oh man. <laughs> one more week we don't have to hear about. And then, of course, uh, San Francisco happened. Yeah. And so it's just crazy to think that, you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, my last question to you. Since we're doing all five Super Bowl teams this year. Okay. Where do you, ranking the teams, where do you rank this one? Third. Third? I would rank the. No, by- no, 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 no. Just give me that one. Don't rank, don't rank the other ones. That's the whole part of this. I still would have them ranked fifth. Okay. Um. I, I I have a feeling I know. Well, no, you know what? I'd have them ranked fourth.
1: Okay.
0: Because I, I I kind of know where your last one is I, to In mind too. I think everybody knows yeah. which one's the last one. Yeah. And it's sad because that's still a well a talented team. But yeah, I would rank it. I, I still think the, I still think the uh, not. But I, I still think other teams were still not better than this one, but more established.
1: If that makes sense. I mean, talent-wise, it's really hard for me to say this team... Talent-wise, I would say this is probably the the, the best. Yes, but there were... Think we're, about top to bottom. No, no, we're, you're we're we're, right. We, we've already talked about the defense, but the offense... We didn't really talk about the offense.
0: But the offense was still trying to figure itself out. They didn't really have a stud wide receiver. Bob Hayes was at the end of his career. Was, yeah. um, they they Their running game was great, but it was by a committee. But also... And this goes back to the frustration of I think that at this point in the league, this team was overly talented compared to everybody else. Where other Super Bowl winners had teams that they had bigger mountains they had to climb. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and so I think that I think who you play, my my, my number one team is gonna uh, fall in line with what you just said. Yeah, and that's why I kind of figure I figure we'd kind of have the same
0: about the same ones. But anyway. That is going to do it for this first look back at the Cowboys Super Bowl championship teams. Go ahead.
1: Mercury Morris is more of a special teamer in 71. That's right. It was 72 or 73 yeah. where he
0: got – In fact, that's, I, I remember that from America. They say that that was, the th- that was the difference, getting him the ball more, that outside speed. you know. But anyway, that's the look back at the first Super Bowl. The next one next month that we will do will be, of course, the 177. They beat the Denver Broncos twenty-seven to ten. We'll do the same thing. We'll talk about the whole season of the NFL. I, this has been fun, but that one's going to be fun because oh, yeah. that oh, to yeah. me is the high-flying NFL. Yeah, I've told you that many times. the The, the late seventies is my favorite era. That in the eighties, I love the nineties Cowboys, but just of when I think of football, I think of the seven late seventies Doomsday Two, mm-hmm. Roger Staubach, all that fun stuff. And so we do appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you haven't, we're all if you haven't looked, we're also doing a league season two retrospective that's either up now or will be up as this comes out. Uh, we do appreciate Frisco Bar and Grill. Want to remind you, you can find us our podcast, outdrankthecoverage.com. Find us on YouTube if, if you're seeing this somewhere else at L4 Media. Email us, ODTCNFL at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at outdrank you. Until next time, he's in turn. No, I'm Terry Bennett. This has been a very special outdrink. Drink the Coverage.